there's whiskey there. It's a great brew. Yeah, definitely. But it's, this place is known as Beguile International Recording Studios, as we call it now. I heard okay, you've yeah. heard that. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are back here um, by myself actually today. Wilson decided to bail on me um, last minute because this is kind of the jerk he is. No, it's not true. Uh, he's <laughs> busy selling whiskey for Union Horse, which he always does because he's the best at it in this entire industry. In my opinion, he's my hero. Um, but this is Jake. Hey, I am here. Yeah, definitely. And that voice you hear is Catherine from Few. She's Catherine with no title other than every. <laughs> Thing, it sounds like. Well, welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much. How's the day going? It, uh, great. Yeah. Look at this. Like we just this said. This space is awesome. Yeah. That's the best part about recording up here. And everyone always comments on it because Beguile does it right. They have the, the whiskey barrels. They have mm-hmm. skee-ball machines. I think one of these days we'll have to show actual video on the website of what it looks like in here mm-hmm. for all the... the train the... going by. Yeah. Don't uh, just ignore that. Don't worry oh, about we're, that. we're very familiarized <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah. We had a show up here like two weeks ago and we had the windows open and for some reason the train was just constant that day, which it never is. It must have been, I don't know, for some reason different, but it was a little loud, but just kind of edited out in the background there. Yeah. But yeah. People yeah. need to get around. I guess so. Summertime too. More Absolutely. people coming down from the suburbs. So yep. the metro Public train. transit. Yep. Probably was a Cubs game involved with that too. I guess. Sounds about right. Yeah, definitely. What are you drinking on with that right there, the Beguile? What'd you get? The Beguile Blonde. Nice. Mm-hmm. Kind of the flagship. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing wrong with a good flagship. No, their really. uh, their blonde beer is like just one of those beers where I've brought to too many parties and you realize like, you know, a six pack or two later, you've digested, uh, you know, a lot of beer. Yeah. Put it yeah, that way. Absolutely. And, but it's better than just like drinking, you know, domestic lights. So... Yeah, we also do some cocktails with their beers as well for parties and other events we've done in the past. Wilson's currently, oh, they just finished it up actually at uh, Bitter Pops. They did uh, one of uh, one of his whiskeys with a with the beer and kind of making a ginger citrus ginger delicious or something like that. So he, they stole it from me. We we crafted that <laughs> Koval years ago with the bourbon, and then uh, he, he took it on to Union Horse and kind of fixed it up a little bit, if you will. Yeah. Well, I guess that's how you know you had a good idea. I guess so. Yeah. We had a street fest at a brewery, a brewery street fest, and mm. we'd be, we're like, well, can we bring a beer cocktail? And they're like, what is that? And we're like, we'll make sure the ABV is under 10, which is their rule, and it probably wasn't. I would guess it's probably more on 13 or 14, but uh, who can tell? But mm. yeah, it was like, you have a beer cocktail, so our line was very long, and I think it sold out like an hour and a half the first time we did it. Sounds so, about right. Yeah, we only had a small like little window to sell it in anyway, since it was technically a cocktail and not a beer <laughs> <laughs> like you can have three hours to sell it I'm like i don't think we're gonna batch that much because it's a lot of whiskey for right. a beer fest but yeah it turned out pretty well and now wilson's living on the legacy of it all there you at go union horse yeah there you go but we both worked at koval at different times but yeah it was i didn't which i didn't know until i met you i was like oh yeah so you're the Catherine i see in the crm i, did, I didn't put two and two together yeah. there i am yeah so your there craft your craft whiskey has been years and years like, yeah, like, personally. Yeah, definitely. yeah, absolutely. Um, did start with Koval. That was in 2011. Oh, I didn't know it was that long ago. Wow. No, no, no. Yeah, 2010. 2010. So like right at the beginning. <laughs> right at the beginning. Wow. Yeah, when they were first having, yeah, consumer outreach. Yeah. Um, so I started with that, and that was like a beautiful introduction to whiskey um, and talking about whiskey in public and um, talking about whiskey and um, in association with Chicago right. to everyone. And that was, that was fantastic. Yeah. Was, how was that? How did it all start? You just apply for a job and go get it? 
Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It was just a, at the time, a new interest of mine in okay. terms of discovery, more about it. Um, and through that, found, hey, this awesome local distillery is opening up in Chicago. Yeah. Um, they needed people to talk. I like talking <laughs> to people, including why we're here today. Definitely. Um, and kind of took it from there. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, because like in 2010, there was how many craft distilleries were even around in the Chicago? Was few few start yet? No, just the year, the one year later. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. very at the beginning of it all. Right at the very beginning. How has it changed since then? I, I, that's the biggest Oof. thing. Even I, when I started in like 2012, I want to say I can't remember what year. It was mostly beer first, but like sure. it was like you know there's this nerd about it. It was like very niche versus now. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to go out there and try different spirits, try different beers, and see yeah. where it all goes. I think that exactly how you kind of nailed it. With craft beer, it was a, an opportunity for people to realize there's, there's more to the yeah. br- beer brewing world. Um, and the same thing sort of happened with whiskey. Mm-hmm. And so few distilleries in, in the Chicagoland area, including few, yeah. being some of that first and foremost um, an educator of like now what is craft whiskey, yeah. right? So having the opportunity to just set the tone for what that division of distilled mm-hmm. spirits was going to look like is a huge responsibility mm. to making sure that everyone around Chicago knew like why this was so cool, mm-hmm. um, including the history of prohibition and the changes that we've seen. That's the best thing about Few. That's the best story about it all. I was like basically the starting ground of, pro, of you know, the, the drive movement. And then now there's a distillery there that's internationally selling whiskey. It's kind of wild. <laughs> it is All wild. from an alleyway in right? Evanston. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. Continue. Please. Um, but yeah, huge responsibility to have to do those things. And I, I guess one of the things that's most addicting to it all mm-hmm. is that even still today, you get those aha moments oh, when yeah. you're talking to people like, oh, wow, I didn't know that Evanston was a dry town until so long ago. The Mm -hmm. temperance movement kind of had origins there. Mm -hmm. And um, to divulge into that is is just a joy, you know. Um, So you bring light to that. And then I think it just opens up everyone's comfort level with asking you questions about whiskey. Mm. What makes a bourbon bourbon? Why do you guys have bourbon? I thought mm. a bourbon could only be made in Kentucky. Um, you know yeah. yourself, too. My grandma of... still believes that, too. <laughs> Who worked at Jim Beam. So, yeah. Yeah. The first time I ever brought Koval bourbon to him, he's like, this can't be bourbon. It's not made in Kentucky. It's like, You're like oh. well, well, true. On a technical term for Kentucky bourbon, yes. But for bourbon in general, it's our native spirit. Precisely. To America. Yeah. But he loves the oat whiskey, so he's like, he let it pass. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like, again, informing everyone is is something that we have the responsibility to do. For sure. And just say like, hey, that's, that's uh, the most common misconception about bourbon mm. is that it needs mm-hmm. to be made in Kentucky. Yeah. Mm. Let us educate you on what the terms really have to be yeah, and here's right how whiskey. we interpret yeah. that definitely you know well so before you even started at cobal what were you drinking before then what were, you, what were your interests when it came to all that oh uh, <laughs> um i guess you can say uh cobal was one of the the gateways okay. to craft spirits yeah. that i would have to say um in terms of at that time in my life mm-hmm. being turned on to just craft distilling in general okay um, but 
Yeah. Was like it was alcohol like something you searched for, like certain products, certain brands, or was it just kind of a new thing for you that back then to try like branch out from like your typical Jim Beams and Jacks and Jamesons? Yeah. And it was, you know, exactly what you and I kind of do on a daily basis. It was consumer outreach mm-hmm. and letting somebody know that something else is there. Yeah. Um I mean, growing up too, it was always adults around me were enjoying McAllen. We're doing that. Oh, so they had a good taste. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But then you kind of go, what is more within my reach Mm -hmm. at that time? Mm -hmm. Um, And now, though, when you learn to understand and you're able to do your own research and you just realize how widespread um, flavor profiles can be and that the world is endless and everyone has their own little touch to make sure that there's something out there for everybody and their own history and their own story. And it's just such a romantic feel, you know? No, you're hundred percent right. Especially when you have that opportunity at smaller distilleries where you can walk through the distillery on a daily basis. Yeah. It was, I mean, one of my favorite things about working at Coval was getting there early on Friday mornings Mm because I had a job where I came in at all different times of the week. And, but Fridays I always got there around 8 a.m. And mm-hmm. I would just get there early, chat with the distillers. The lights would be off. The natural light would be coming through the distillery, mm-hmm. bouncing mm-hmm. off the machines. And you're just like, I would just walk around, take photos for like, you know, half an hour. Oh, I know. And chat with the guys and like, you know, try a little new make if something was coming off the still at that time. Yeah. And just like, there was an amazing way to start your day with a cup of coffee, walking through a distillery, you know, you're thinking like, how many people have this opportunity in the world? You know, like less than a thousand, maybe no. two thousand. Yeah. You know, people. It's 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 such a unique experience, and it's uh, it's something hard to explain to people because you're just sitting through this amazing building, which makes no one even knows what it's. Most people don't even know what a distillery even looks like, no, nope. or how it even the process even works. But to, like when you're really in it, it is very romantic. Like yeah. I'm, some of the, like some memories are still with me. Like when I found out Anthony Bourdain died, who was like a like a hero to me when it comes to like writing and adventure and just like being an open a person open to the world. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting on a, a a bourbon a case of bourbon in the distillery. It was like eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty in the morning, and one of the distillers was like, "Did you hear about Anthony Bourdain?" You're like, "I'm like no, what?" He's like, "He just died." You're like, "What?" And I just like yeah, collapsed yeah. like yeah. on this on this rack of bourbon and sitting there and like. Oh, very this strange. And it, it stays with you. It's also because of the, I think a lot of it, why it stays with me is because it was in the distillery. Yeah. And you have like that presence of something being made by mm-hmm. people who love what they do. Love and what they do. They, they want to share it with the world too, is the most passionate part that, um, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of like put that to people in a certain phrase. They really can understand it because it's, it's like a special little box to be in and mm-hmm. like, it's a gift to the world, but I just came from that distributor meeting today when you're launching to people, to reps about like, so I work for an Australian whiskey distillery. Our yeah. owner like quit his life to like take on this dream and, yep. you know, invest in himself. And here it is now in America. Like, how do you explain to that, uh, those people like, and then to consumers, like how rare of, you know, a risk that is, to, how big of a risk it is to take for that. Absolutely. And also like doing something different. Like we age in wine barrels like completely 100% exclusively and to explain that to people like hey there's like finishes in wine barrels and some people will try around and mess with them but we have 10,000 wine barrels aging whiskey right now it's like that's the biggest collection of wine try and paint that picture for you exactly I can tell you what the distillery kind of looks like where those barrels are how organized it is how neat it is and the bar itself that's at the distillery um, which I don't want to get into because America is such you know 
you know very well with the prohibition sure. laws in, in Evanston about Absolutely. how they still affect this Again, state. we're here. Yeah, right? Yeah, and then like, there was no prohibition in Australia, so it's different laws. But like creating that and painting that picture is like the main thing you need to do. Because like you said, storytelling is yeah. one of the biggest things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think when those who have chosen to create a, a distillery, like Paul Hlecko, mm-hmm. our founder, you kind of realize that you have to be the wearer of a lot of different hats. And oh, storytelling, yeah. definitely one of them. Um, I mean, everyone has their story to begin with, so it makes it a little bit more natural. But um, to be able to have storytelling abilities and um, engineering abilities Mm. and chemistry abilities and (laughs) fortune-telling abilities to try and plan on what are we going to need? Because, again, whiskey in its romantic sense is not a hey, I made this today, it's yeah. ready today product. It is, it's putting your heart into it, putting it in a barrel, yeah. letting it sit on a shelf for a while. Yeah. And then when it's ready, you're yeah. ready to share. Yeah, it's kind of like, so. I've always like, thought I was like a sense like a painter. It's like you don't overpaint uh, a mm-hmm. painting because then it becomes, you'll never finish that painting. But you have to sit there and wait. And then you put it out to the masses and paintings don't usually sell right away. It's like, right. you know, you put it in a gallery, people walk by on a daily basis and don't even see it yeah. um, as art. They just see it as something on the wall. And then finally, maybe like however long it takes that, that right person comes in and purchases that. It's just like the barrel aging process. Like you sit there, you do all this hard work for a week to create it and you put it in a barrel for two, three, four, 15 years, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, just waiting to see, all right, is this going to work? Right. <laughs> is this going to work? Am I going to like this? Yeah, Are right? others going to like this? Yeah. Yeah. What was like? What was Paul's whole concept when he first started? What, what did he want to achieve with it? He, at first, so kind of like what you spoke to, it yeah. was a man who had kind of completed his run as, as an attorney. Yep. Um, at the same time, he was trying to create a way to commemorate his grandfather. The um, brewer, right? Yeah, they had a brewery um, during World War II that was taken from Mm -hmm. them. Uh, They are a Jewish family. So the brewery was taken from them. They never got it back. Um, And you fast forward to 2011 when Paul decided to embark on like, hey, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to open something to kind of pay ode to to my ancestry. Yeah. Um, 2011 craft brewing was it was the hugest thing yeah. like it is everywhere um, in terms of the beer world but distilled spirits there there weren't very many there were there Almost were few non-existent yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much so um, but yeah Paul worked with the city of Evanston to change laws because at the time you could not make alcohol yeah, within the, the city I, I limits was wondering how much effort he had to do on that yeah. I, can, I can only imagine, yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't dry until, what, 60? Um, yeah, 72 is 72. when they had their okay, first bar. Okay. Yeah. 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 So just prior to that, you could drink within within your home. Um, okay. But, yeah, 1972 was the first bar, and 2011 was the very first time alcohol was made within the city of Evanston, and few, few <laughs> was the reason why. <laughs> So the city was awesome and accepting, but they they did help us, you know, find a little space down a back end of an alley yeah. so that we were real easy to find. Um, and and it was truly here is this empty room because mm-hmm. that's what our space is. It's an old garage. It had this awesome garage door, um, <laughs> but it was an old empty garage auto shop, and we turned it into our our distillery nice. and. And that's what's 2011. That's where production started. And to this day, that's where production lives. Cool. Um, we have a couple different spaces around Evanston that we do our aging yeah. in. Like you mentioned, those romantic barrel mm-hmm. racks. And 
um, and our bottling we all do by hand too. So that's nice. nearby as well. Is that a different but, building? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just about a mile away. We use a, yeah. a pickup truck to haul <laughs> now 53 gallon barrels on the regular yep. um, to our storage facilities. And um, that in itself is an art, maneuvering a barrel of that size, yeah. a full barrel. Definitely. Were you, did he have 30 gallon barrels first or? Even smaller, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very beginning. Five gallon. Cause I remember when people would buy. Like, I used to sell the used barrels at Cobol, and people mm-hmm. would like, "Do you have any five, fifteen gallon barrels?" I'm like, "No, smallest I have is thirty, but I would send them up to few. I'm like, "I think they might have some, like mm-hmm. maybe by chance, I'd have some laying around still." But like, as a home brewer, like I don't need thirty gallons. So right. they're always searching for. I'm like, "Yeah, try that or journeyman. They might have them." They're like, "Where's journeyman?" Like, <laughs> well, it's in Michigan, but it's not too far away. Absolutely, they <laughs> yeah. might be able to help yeah yeah but how has the transition been from those small barrels to the standard casks we've done incrementally moved up to 15 and that's what most of the product that you see in market right now has been harvested from 15 gallon barrels um, with a mixture of 30 gallon and now we're starting to um, primarily 53 gallon barrels is what we're filling now and um they save some space yeah um but uh, We'll let it sit for a little bit longer. And again, with you, it's always been when the whiskey is ready, it's yeah. ready. Yeah. It's, it's the process. Trust in the process. It's a good way of approaching it. I know like for Star Wars, it was kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. They like tried it initially. The new make was great. Aged it for like six months, tried it. It was really great. Then they got to the 18 months and there's like, I just, I just, I'm losing my all my life. <laughs> like, it, what happened to this? And I can't remember which Scotch distiller happened to be in town that was uh, helping out. Um, uh, with our distillery and he's like just, just let it happen like let it see how it is and then like at that 22 month mark it was like oh it's completely changed again and then it hits that two year mark and like this is where we want it to be and now it's kind of settled in that three to four year range and some people are like well why don't you go longer and it's like because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to right it's, yeah, that's it's, the it's when ready. it's right it's right yeah Yeah. It's up, and it's always subjective as we were talking earlier the taste mm-hmm. is always subjective mm-hmm. but um I guess that whole sensitivity begins with the master distiller, the owner of the company being like, this is when it's ready. So, and it's like up to the consumer to think what they, uh, or see see how they feel about it. But, you know. Exactly. What was he, uh, what was Paul's first like whiskey or idea process he wanted to do with a few? So something to know about few is that we're not, trying to make some new bizarre <laughs> whiskey, right? We just want to make really good core whiskeys that mm-hmm. those are familiarized with. So we make a bourbon, we make a rye, but we were going to put our own spin on it. Nice. Um, and that's really what it, the, the opportunity was. It's mm-hmm. how do you make like one of the best bourbons? Bourbon is good. How do I make it one of the best? Um, here's yeah. a rye. I really like rye. How do we make it ours? Um, and so toying with those ideas and playing with countless recipes and chewing on different grains and, um, finding the right component, trusting in the process. Mm -hmm. Here we are. We make, Paul always says, you know, we make liquor and we make it well. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's essentially what we do. It's a good way of doing it. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, so you have a variety of spirits too. It's not just about the whiskeys. You have multiple gins. Um, And is that was something initially he wanted to do, or is that kind of where like, I know a lot of craft distilleries. Obviously, when you start your company, you have to sell something. If you're not, if you're doing it all yourself, which he was, right? He didn't source anything. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, it's always been us. Yeah, and that's I mean, which is an amazing 
task to take on. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's so crazy that, I mean, like we had the Blonde Brothers in here on Monday and they sourced, they originally weren't planning on sourcing and they ended up like getting these amazing barrels now that are like completely sought after that like, these 12 year old casts that are like going for $600, $800 in secondary markets. Right. But uh, they originally planned on doing it all themselves, but they just, uh, you know, like it was just too much to take on for yeah. them or whatever. And it is a lot to take on as any distillery. So if you can completely. do it to the point, it's like, pat on the shoulder to you, you know, extra pat on the shoulder because it's such an cr- incredible uh, financial take. Yeah. Um, and also you're just waiting. So what you have to do is put out those clear spirits initially. Yeah. Um, so was he kind of, was that why the gins evolved or was that part of the process initially? Part of the process, yeah, is testing. And A, it was a way for us because we have been grain the glass from the very beginning. Yeah. It's a way to kind of showcase this is what our spirits taste like. This is how we distill right cool. away. Um, so we had a white whiskey to begin and then our American gin, and now we even have a breakfast gin, but gin is a really fun way to, to play with botanicals and, and have that sort of creative outlet as well. Um, but also created our own basis, like you said, Mm non-sourced from grain, um, and showcase this is, this is what our distilling is kind of like right now. Um, so that was one of the ways to do it. We've got a, a breakfast gin now that people kind of really go bonkers for. So what makes breakfast for. gin a little bit different <laughs> than your other gins? So from the botanical standpoint, we're using Earl Grey tea. Oh, nice. Yeah, Earl Grey tea, lemon peel. So it's the most important gin of the day. <laughs> yeah. Nice accent there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was a part of it. That's very cool to see. Yeah, Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the bottle right now for the listeners who can't see. Yeah. But yeah, it, actually, could you go into a little bit of the labeling? Because the story behind that, we were talking before the podcast that I didn't know, um, I, like, mm-hmm. I kind of figured what Paul was trying to do with the labeling, but I didn't know until I actually heard him on a podcast about a year ago or so mm-hmm. talking about um, what he was trying to represent, like not just as a distillery, but kind of as a Chicago land, like a mainstay and representation of the city itself. Yeah. And, and when you look at a bottle of few, you are looking at one of the, the grandest moments in Chicago's history. <laughs> yeah. So all of our labels are iconography from the World's Fair in 1893, the Columbian Exposition. Nice. Um, so our bourbon, you can call her bourbon lady if you'd like, but she's the <laughs> Statue of the Republic. She was designed to be as tall as the Statue of Liberty, but she was made out of paper mache, so she didn't last quite long. Um, Did they burn it at the end? So it was actually a fire. Go figure. So okay. the the World's Fair um, was the resurrection of Chicago yeah. after the great Chicago fire. Yeah. Um, 1871 happened. Chicago was non-existent. Uh, 1893 came about, and we opened a fair that was going to, at the time, welcome more yeah. than the world's, th- than America's population um, three times over, right? Yeah. So. It's it the, was the Paris um, of the Midwest. The Paris, was, yes. That was the the illuminating the of sidewalks and buildings yeah. for the very first time using mm. electricity, um, and so it again we get back to that word like romance and innovation. Yeah. Like think about that, and that was the story that we we wanted to tell. Um, so. A bottle of few is is that it's a piece of Chicago's history and us being in Evanston, uh, just outside of Chicago, Chicago land, if you will. Yeah. This is paying homage to our our roots and our, our great city at that time. So very cool. And today too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. As we sit in this hot day of summer, finally. It's finally Chicago summer. I don't mind it though, even though I was wearing like 
a suit earlier today, and I'm just like, I'm going to sweat through the suit, but <laughs> whatever. Gotta, gotta, but we will do it. We will do it we to sell whiskey. It. We will. Oh, yeah, yes, so I, only for whiskey. Only for whiskey. Only for whiskey. If it, if it was vodka, I wouldn't do it for vodka. Yeah. I don't know. Well, then we're lucky for you. Uh, I guess so. You don't do vodka, do you? We don't. I didn't think so. No, we don't. Well, that's all right. No one, you're not hurting the world at all anyway. <laughs> Nothing missing out. We have enough vodka on the shelves, put it that way. Yeah. It is kind don't. of, it, and like some people say there'll be enough whiskeys on the shelves, but I look at it as like, there's enough room for everybody, right? I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, obviously we keep growing in distilleries um, year by year, it seems like, mm-hmm. across the country, but people are finding their place. There's always a gap to be filled, I think, I mean, some people say like they'll oh, craft whiskey it's not worth wasting your time on like mm-hmm. there's companies that have been doing it for 300 years there's a reason why they've been doing it right for uh, you know decades and decades and generations and generations mm-hmm. which yeah it's great and like we both probably love those some of those spirits too it's like that's something that's the founding you know fathers if you will of whiskey it, right. it, it created Open a sensors. foundation for us all to grow on mm-hmm. um there's just a little innovation for everybody else kind of the smaller guys but where do you guys kind of like see yourselves fitting into the whole whiskey world? Because you have now international distribution, correct? We have international distribution, yeah. um, and we we want to be recognized as your your great go to whiskey on mm. all shelves. Right. You know, here close by in proximity to where we make it, as well as overseas, um, where we have some some great friends in the UK and and such too, all over the world. So that's where we kind of see ourselves. We, but it never gets old seeing yeah. your product on a shelf near or far. No. So we couldn't be where we were today without our locals. We've got Delilah's. We've got in close to Evanston, Peckish Pig. We've got some of those um, great accounts that have been so supportive from the very beginning. Uh, and, and then every day it seems like there's someone new <laughs> and it's just so humbling to see what they do do with your product, what they make of your product in cocktail format and just the story Mm -hmm. that they want to share with everyone they know. Um, so you'll see few, you'll see us around for, for as long as we won't, (laughs) will be making it. We hope that you'll see us around. Definitely. Yeah. But we have a a really great team who's out there spreading the few, the few word, if you will. But, and also just People who like few mm-hmm. telling their friends about few. It's the best way to do it. The most, yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah, when you have people like that groundswell awesome. of local people or whatever it may be. But um, I always took pride in like when you're walking through a liquor store, like just on your own, not not working. Yeah. But you're like, and someone picks up your bottle, you're like, Ooh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like I saw a girl looking at it the other day, and I think she just liked the label of ours, and mm-hmm. I'm like. She's like, hey, are you a whiskey guy? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I like whiskey. Yeah. And she's like, do you anything about this? I'm like, I actually work for that company. <laughs> she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, she's like, I'm like, what are you buying it for? It's like, well, for my brother, for his bar cart. Um, want to give him something different? I'm like, well, that's definitely different. It's Australian. It's aged in red wine barrels. So yeah, it's, uh, about yeah. It. I'm like, what color is his, his bar cart? It's like, it's like a kind of a goldish color. I'm like, all right, it will look good too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check all the boxes right there. But yeah, when you, when you even when you see it out too, yeah. like you know, and it's not just like our brands. When I see like Chicago brands, like when I was in Australia and saw Few mm-hmm. and saw mm-hmm. Cobal, like you're like, that's awesome. Like I mean, like yeah, I used to work for one of them, but at the same time, it's like a representation of who we are as people too. It's our home. Precisely. And so you can like go across the world literally yes. and see it. And I still have like friends text me bottles of Cobal when they're I mean, like in trips in Europe, and they're mm-hmm. like. No, you weren't working for him, but I was in like this tiny little bar, like in somewhere, and you know, like here's a, I found, found a gin bottle. You're like, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing so Absolutely. much. And yeah, it's having like that pride and like not just about 
who you are, but where you're from. Right. I call us um, few finders. Mm. So you can ask, actually hashtag few finders and really? let us know. And That's a great idea. we're starting to collect those um, moments that way. That's so awesome. But um, it is. It's it near, far, something close to home when you're far away. Yeah. Um, but it does. Whiskey lets you travel the world sure one does. bottle at a time, you know, and travel back in time. One mm. bottle of at a time, if you kind of think about it yeah, that way. Go into that, please. I, I love that. Go into that. What do you What do you What do you mean by that? What's your Is that your company kind of approach to to, or is that your own personal little? It's uh, my ethos? own. Yeah. That's my own uh, romance with whiskey, right? So, yeah. you think about how long does it take to make a whiskey? Mm-hmm. Years. Um, so, how many years ago were you using what was on this earth to distill, to mash, yep. ferment, and distill, and put into barrels and let it breathe all of the years? within the moment that it, of barrel entry to the moment that it's in bottles, it's had how many years of just being yeah. in this world. And then there it is in a bottle, in your glass. Yeah, what is it seen? What is it done? Everything is a living ingredient when it comes to whiskey. And then yeah. some people I mean, don't, you don't think of it that way or don't, you, I guess, just not ignorant, but just you don't think of it. It's just something you mm-hmm. just enjoy at a bar at the end of the night or whatever it may be of how you drink whiskey. But... There's so much passion that goes into it before you ever sip on that whiskey. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, with like all the ingredients from past beyond, and then also the distillers who might be gone too, you know, like, they, like they're leaving their legacy behind. Precisely. And so what Wilson and call, I call it is a liquid legacy. So yeah, it's yeah. It, and it was something like my grandfather taught me too, is just about like so much effort goes into creating a single bottle of Jim Beam when he worked there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, well, I don't, drink a lot of Jim Beam when I'm like six years old, you know, and telling these stories, but then it became something more. And now the conversations we have, like as an adult, especially when I got into this industry, was like, he's telling these stories, like a day-to-day stories that happened at the distillery and some wild ones too, but it was about him. Like he controlled the boiler room. He's an engineer in there, that part of the distillery. And so important. it's like running up and down these stairs. And like, I just have like this, like, this, um, like kind of like a, uh, very um, Wes Anderson-like like, yeah. picture of him, like, <laughs> running up and downstairs, and, like, you're shooting, like, it's, like, shooting through a building, and you see it, and, like, it's a straight-on shot, but it's just about, like, you, those are the guys you don't know about. Um, you yeah. hear the distillers' names, you hear, you know, some brand ambassadors become popular people, too, that might see or even interact with at a store or a tasting, something like that, or an event, but there's yeah. so many people in the background that... Um, I guess aren't acknowledged, if you will. Like it's not like a, a credits at the end of a movie where everyone's name's on there. Not everyone's name is on the bottle, but right. that's what distilleries are. It's like a family because that name on the bottle is everybody accumulated into one. You nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. I try to. You <laughs> did. You did. And it's like what you said too. And when you work in a smaller distillery, it's yeah. almost the opposite, where everyone has to wear a little bit of every hat. You're always you know? an ambassador too for your company. Yeah. Like when you're out and about, it's like you're an ambassador for our, we have 15 employees 20 employees you know full-time whatever it may be yeah. it's like when you're out like and you're at a bar and they have it and someone's talking about it like you can have that conversation right mm-hmm. there and you know everything to say because yeah. you live it yeah it is it is your daily yeah and and that is the few crew if you call us is <laughs> one of the the most awesome groups of people that you can imagine coming together on on the daily to make Mm -hmm. this all work and um it's such a fortunate 
opportunity to be around people who inspire you yeah. all the time. I think one thing I really respect about Paul too is that he's been doing this now for almost ten years, and but he's mm-hmm. still out there at events. Like you all see, the time. see him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, be a, he's not just like you know a, uh, the person behind the company; he's a face for the company. Yes, and absolutely. It's really cool when you can talk to like the founder of a company about what's going on. That's why I respect so much about uh, Dave, the owner of my mm-hmm. company. It's like he like moved to America on like a Thursday and he's at an event in Chicago on the next Thursday. Like sure, from yeah. Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From Australia. Yeah. He moved from Australia. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of dedication right there. It is. Yeah. It's, and he, I mean, he did ask me now to fly to California the week of my wedding in two weeks, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I can dedicate that much, but, um, cause my fiance might kill me. <laughs> <laughs> when I make it to the wedding. But yeah, no, it's, it's amazing to see like those people that are so still passionate about it and they want to like take it further. Right. It's not just like, hey, we've been doing this now for a certain amount of time. It can go on its own, if you will, mm-hmm. um, or someone else could do it for us. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, we're still there doing it. Yeah, there's still always a story to tell someone's ears who haven't mm-hmm. heard it yet. That's a good point. You know, and the story evolves and changes over time, too. Yeah. You know, and origins kind of stay the same, but where we are on any given day can change. Yeah. But it is, it's, Paul has been so supportive of the brand and continues to be with mm. that travel schedule. And some days it's hard to keep track of him. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's doing good work. And then the few crew back at home, making sure that there's everything in barrels so that we continue to have something to talk about yeah. and making improvements upon the process to, to help make their product the best that it can be mm. on a daily basis. And Finding something new yeah, wherever we can. As like marketing um, mm-hmm. with a company and getting that word out, mm-hmm. how have you seen the process change and evolve over the last like seven, eight years? I mean, it's been so much now. Like, I don't know how we do it without social media as oh, companies. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is where it, everyone is turning to to become informed. Absolutely. You know, so learning how, how to tell your story. <laughs> What am I, I going to wear today? I go to a fashion website. It's meant fashion website. They're like, all right, good combination. I have something like that. Did you type in something specifically for your outfit today? Um, let's see. Shirt that's not too wrinkly and blue jeans. There we go. There First things go. to grab off the, off the closet. So, yeah. Replacing <laughs> fashion that Fashion Friday. Yeah. Fashion Friday. There you go. Yeah. But, Friday. Yeah. But it is. It's, it's an area where you, again, another challenge to have to grow as a brand. Yeah. How do you navigate social media channel how do you relay your story at its core Mm. through social media and like we were talking about earlier how do you translate what that feels like um so we're continuing to develop that i kind of oversee where we are at on instagram right now if you will um and it's something new all the time definitely working on photography and how photos can relay to tell that story and keeping up with how to make sure people see your yeah. content that you've been making right. and working so hard what on. What time to post it at. <laughs> right. What yeah. time? What hashtags do I use? What are people searching for? Mm. Oh, now we, we have to go Instagram live. How do we do that? Yeah, like, do what, do do we, that? what do we want to put on Instagram live? What do we have to say today? Yeah. Um, so, it, but, it, you know, it's super important. And, like, from the beginning, doing a lot of in on-the-ground field work, guerrilla yeah. marketing style, and we still have to do that today we were just talking you and I were talking about different shows that we've been at recently Mm -hmm. and um that is will always remain important um and it's irreplaceable you can't Um, let those like local tastings and local events it's the only way to be in front of the people right on you know a mass level (laughs) 
precisely. Um, and then following up where you were on Instagram and showcasing this is where we were and yeah. we, we hope to see you sometime soon. Mm -hmm. um, so keeping up with those channels, that's definitely been a new newer um, level of importance for a few is keeping up with those. Um, but otherwise in-person opportunities and then mm. everything that we host at the distillery too, yeah. that stays the same. We consistently do tours. If you're in Chicago or yeah. currently visiting Chicago, come on by the distillery. Um, and then we do activation events on site. We've got mm. few Fridays. Few Fridays. Few Fridays. In the summer, every second Friday of the month, we turn our alleyway into an alley galley, nice. alley rally. So what's your first one in July? It's July. It will be July 12th. Cool. I'll yeah. make sure to release this on the Monday before that. So, yeah. There you Get go. Get more people there if, the, if anybody listens to this <laughs> thing out there. I'm sure someone is. I do. All 37 followers. <laughs> Woo. I'm not sure how many, but yeah, we'll see. Everyone counts. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, no, it's like funny. The first podcast we downloaded or uploaded was like, 35 people listen to this. That's that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. But, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. Small victories, it's but like big my mom, victories. My dad. Me, <laughs> seven times. Wilson's no. parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we appreciate the support. No, but it is like, it's crazy how it's changed so much. I feel like on Instagram five, six years ago, every distillery was like a camp like site feel to it. Like, kind of like, yeah. like very campy vibe where not campy in like modern fashion terms, but. Not which clamping. Is, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what that even means. I didn't know campy was like a fashion term until whatever uh, recent celebrity event thing was happening. And sure. Which my fiance knows all that stuff because she's in social media marketing and she's like, yeah, campy. I'm like, like, you know, flannel? Right. <laughs> a yeah. tent? Yeah. No, this is a, a, a cool tent with wine glasses. Yeah. And everything's set for you. Sounds great. But, yeah, yeah, but if I had like a cool like campfire vibe where everyone was like very like outdoor, kind of a little bit of like yeah. a rustic and all of that, but now it's turned almost the opposite so much. Mm -hmm. And I, like a lot of comp a few companies are really de like dedicated to that or responsible for like the shift and um, amazing photography and great aesthetics and trying to have that approach. But I think that kind of gets lost sometimes. Of mm -hmm. you can have some amazing photography, but you aren't representing the brand or you aren't showing the brand at all. It's like if you have a cool cocktail, that's great, but like what company is that? Because we scroll through now so fast, like on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter, I don't even know how to operate anymore, I feel like. <laughs> uh, so it's like, how do you actually catch the eye so they actually see what you're trying to represent? Right, yeah. Do you guys have a certain approach to that? It's us. Yeah. So right now the photography is us on the ground at the distillery. So cool. that kind of helps when you're the one who's in it, yeah, who's capturing that. Um, but also just finding someone who, if you are looking after professional photographers, someone who feels like few mm. from their own, um, and then trying to take their talent and allow them to kind of play with the brand too. So just making sure that that, that sentiment is relayed through through photos is, yeah. is a focus. Definitely. But, um, yeah, the, the the capturing the brand identity is something that we've been again working with and playing hard with, and not to be on a campsite. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how whiskey has evolved too. Whiskey is yeah. not just campfire right. anymore. It's at your weddings, and mm -hmm. it is on your Friday nights, and it is maybe your Thursday nights or wherever have you. So Monday night. <laughs> hey, it's a good day for it too. Absolutely. Mondays for eighty proof. Fridays for a hundred proof. Um, no, it is like it's 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 become more um, of a daily activity uh, for people. It, not mm -hmm. like I mean, sure, some people abuse it, but also just to enjoy it. 
Right. Because there's so many different brands out there to try. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I have a bottle here, a bottle there. You go to a bar and see something you wanted to try, but like, I'm not going to drop like $100 for that bottle, yeah. but I'll try to do a $10 pour, you know, whatever Absolutely. it may be. So it's always investigating that way too, what spirit do you want to try? Right. And I guess it kind of comes full circle us talking about now the people know that mm. there's more to whiskey than just their one or two shelf types. There's a whole world of it. Mm. And um, taking the time, there's not enough hours in the day to taste through all of our friends. But um, yeah, but true. if you grab a bottle of few, there's always something new to discover. And if you... Have you read Lou Bryson's Tasting Whiskey? Uh, yeah, I started, I started it and then I lost the book on a train, I think. Well, I hope you left it in good hands. Yeah, right. I'm I, sure someone's enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, I remember reading it, and I went, like, like four days later to find it. I'm like, I was reading it on the train last. Where did it go? And I couldn't find it, so I just, I think I just left it on the train. Put it that way. Well, you're sharing it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. sharing it. But in in that book, and I think for anyone who's, like, newer to tasting whiskey, it's a really good, here's here's your How to Taste Whiskey 101. But it's, you taste a little bit every day, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and that's sort of a way to appreciate it. You can pick up the same bottle of few um, and say, okay, today I'm going to taste this and jot down some notes of what you taste on Monday mm-hmm. and then Tuesday a little bit more and yeah. discover it a little bit more. Um, so there is definitely opportunity to kind of come full circle and taste and retaste mm-hmm. and taste something different and go back to the ones that you uh, have appreciated in the past. And it's just, it's just romance. Yeah, no, it really is. It I, really I, is. I agree. We're on the same page of all that because that's how, like, I'd be like doing tours sometimes and like start talking about it and you're like, like kind of start like swelling up with tears in a way. Cause you're like, Oh, like this is just so cool. If like me, like on a personal level, like background of like who my grandfather was. And then like, even like my other grandparents were like small, um, business owners their entire life too. So you like, you know, that struggle of like being a small business owner and they're running a restaurant their entire life. And then like how the stories relate to this whole city and like you're there and you're like, wow, this is cool. This nothing was here like 10 years ago and now right. it's into a company or whatever it may be that's like distributed, distributed across the world and yeah. people are here trying it, trying it with you too. It's like, it means so much having like a, get, a, a big group of guests, like enjoying it with right. you, not just like drinking it just to drink it. But when you have like those really locked in people that want to hear the story, want to taste the whiskey, they don't know. And a lot, the best people usually are novices because they don't, they're, not going to play off like they know something Mm-mm. when the opposite person can come in and know too much, which is something we now have like see a lot with uh, how the world's expanded through whiskey with beer and whiskey and many other spirits too. Wine's the same way where you have the uh, quote unquote experts that come yeah. to your events and tell you like how it is. We're like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know this brand pretty well. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. the one I'm, I'm behind the table for, but uh, it is interesting when you see those people, like how have you seen like the shift in, you know, customers like, uh, their knowledge of whiskey in general grow. It's grown. Yeah. Yeah. It's grown for, um, yeah. Even doing, like you said, tours is one of those mm. opportunities Do-do where tours. you get those. I, I used to run all of our tours okay. for many, many, many years. And I love, love giving tours yeah. at the distillery. Cause like you said, it, it, you get, you get really into it and yeah. it's part of my heart. Here you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, but here on the, a Saturday. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> yes, it's Saturday folks. And here we are. Uh, but the, the questions that come from people who is particularly who are visiting you or, um, at, at a market event, they've grown into detail, you know, but there's still people who have 
don't know anything about whiskey yeah. and, and you do just have that opportunity to share with them as well. But I like, I like the fact that we've got more people in the market who are informed and who can challenge you on questions yeah. about your product um, and sometimes make you think in a different way yep. about how you're presenting information about your product too. Definitely. So it, it, there, there's always something new and I love the consumers bring it on right yeah. let's talk in depth as possible as we can about our products yeah definitely as much as you like yeah it's like it's the only thing I was always turned off by was like if an engineer was on and you're uh, like yeah. okay, you're gonna know about this still more than I do obviously right. like I, I'm not a trained distiller I might be out in the distillery and I like, ask questions but like even probably those guys don't know everything on the ins and outs of the actual machine, like mm -hmm. where they're not engineers where you might be. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, do you just want to come here and talk? Absolutely. <laughs> like, but like the questions of like, we were talking about how I had a question earlier today in a meeting and about like uh, yeast strains and all that kind of stuff. And you're yeah. like, yeah, like that's, it's a little too like inside baseball sometimes. Cause like your daily customer probably isn't going to ask that, but sure. I understand like why would this certain person would want to know that. Yeah. But just kind of the way I guess that the, questions are presented is the best is the mm -hmm. kind of like determine if you're turned off by the questions or if someone's trying to like you know upstage you if, if you will yeah which is like yeah, I'm like we're not I'm not in whiskey to talk anybody down like I'm, I'm in whiskey to share it Absolutely. share the stories to share like what's in the bottle and like wh wh where this bottle came from too like what this inside represents mm -hmm. so like I'm not like gonna ever talk down to somebody even when someone's like hey you know Jack Daniels is my favorite bourbon you're like oh it's technically not a bourbon, but... Yeah, but here we go. I'm like, Let me inform yeah, you. Exactly. Let me that, inform you of what is, you know, and and why that isn't. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys get that. Like you said earlier about having a bourbon that's in Illinois versus mm -hmm. not Kentucky, even sure. talking to people about that. It's like, there's just there's just a very rich story that comes to it. You know, it's a almost the 400-year story, if you will, uh, yeah. about, like, the first people ever, you know, making whiskey in this country and then the advance, uh, expansion out west. And there was this awesome corn out there, not like the barley and the rye that the old mm -hmm. world knew. So it's it's uh, it's quite an amazing discovery. And it's, like, not even until, like, the last... Not until, like, 1965 was it actually ours as a country, you know? Like, it right. was something that um, was out there and we were known for it in America mm -hmm. of making bourbon, but it wasn't actually on the books as ours where other countries could replicate it and call it it. Where, okay. you know, like you can't call malted bar barley, single malt whiskey here scotch. scotch. So right. it's like, it's our identity. So having that as a national identity is super important to people like you and I who want to continue these stories and make sure that they don't get lost. Absolutely. And I feel like few is a lot like that too. It's like, it's, it's new, but it's also about like making sure that whiskey like stays rich stays good mm -hmm. and then like keep telling that story mm -hmm. and I think that's one of our most recent products is actually called American whiskey nice so and and that is the opportunity to kind of showcase some of the best qualities of making whiskey in America mm -hmm. in one so it's um, our American whiskey we released it last year um, it is the marriage of our bourbon recipe, our rye recipe, and a single malt that cool. we make. And is it a blend or is it actually crafted that way? It is a blend. Okay. Yeah, it is a blend. So they will age in their own respective ways, yeah. have their own identities, and then marry them together. That's so um, cool. And it's just, it is. It, it is really neat, but it's called American Whiskey for that. This mm. is whiskey made in America. It's something that is not just a bourbon. It's not just a rye. It's not just a single malt. It is the, the blend of all the good things. Very cool. So where'd you get the idea to do that? 
It was um, Delilah's. Delilah's in Chicago, yep. one of the best whiskey bars. Just drinking there yeah, you Wednesday get lost. night. Yeah. You have no idea walk, what day, Walk through what a rainstorm time. to get there. <laughs> That's where I actually watched the Cubs um, win the World Series. Really? They actually had it on? <laughs> and the little TV yeah. in the corner. The um, I was actually, yeah, I was there for a, a gin release with Bloodshot Records on the same day. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. D- couldn't have planned it that way. No. But um, we were there for, I, I was there for that, and the Cubs game was on, and that's where we, yeah, nice. Bloodshot Records. There. I was awesome at Barra Buena. There? The, see? Yeah. Where you were. Yeah. And do you remember what you were drinking? Uh, yeah, we were drinking <laughs> Daisy Cutters. See? Yeah. There you go. Definitely. And that's those moments. Might have had one too any. I How don't know. romantic. Probably. There's a picture of me, and we walked down to the stadium after that, and mm-hmm. I'd look just a totally obliterated and but i had like three <laughs> beers that whole night because it was such hard to get service you know because the sure. whole bar is packed and it's someone's so like emotional. you look so drunk i'm like i actually wasn't at all i think i was more just like dead tired yeah. and like it's tired like... of fighting through this crowd of people yeah <laughs> as we're like walking i remember we were walking on addison and we we're walking on the street one way all of a sudden we were picked up and we're just floating the opposite way down the street because there's so many people. It was like a mosh pit of people. <laughs> and like just, like, literally our bodies were just picked up and turned around. <laughs> we weren't even on the ground and uh, like heading in the opposite direction. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All of Chicago turned into a bar that night. Yeah. And that was, uh, there was a great article, and I'm so sorry the author is escaping me, but it, it really was about how anywhere that had a television mm-hmm. turned into a, it turned into a bar. Yeah. Little taco stands were packed with people. Were, was there something to drink? Yeah. Was there some sort of um, substance? And was there a television? Yep. It was what everyone, that's playing the game. Um, and it, walking around the city afterwards was just, again, one of the most, yeah. ugh, moments that stick with you. Definitely. And you know where you were, what you were drinking, and mm-hmm. who you were with. Um, but wa- watching it from Delilah's, and, and we're sitting next to a, a bottle of our Delilah's 23rd yeah. anniversary edition. Um, they came to us and said, like, for our 23rd anniversary, mm-hmm. we want to do something cool. What, do we, what can we do with you? So Mike, the um, owner of Delilah's, came by and we picked out some barrels of our whiskey, bourbon, rye, and single malt, blended it together, and it became very cool, fabulous. And so that was sort of the idea. Should um, we try a little bit of it? Yeah. Let's do it. We haven't sure drank. We haven't drank. We're I know. Almost we're an so hour in. It. We're almost an hour what is in. What's wrong with us? Yeah, almost an hour and had any what drinks. What's wrong with us? Absolutely. Well, here we've got these cups here. Um, but it was. Uh, Go ahead, yeah. Just something that, again, you didn't think you would have that interpretation yeah. of your own product, but collaborations and and being innovated with people and using the resources of what you have is something that I think few, at few we, we've learned to do yeah. over and over and over again. But it's something that highlights the city, too, about how we all want to work together as well. Yes. Like, it's all about representing Chicago in a whole. It's not just about, like, Got the it. individual. And Mike always says that, too. He's, he's like, the distilleries and the bars, we're not th- – those aren't, like, our enemies or, you know, people we're competing with. It's like more like the online, like, you know, where you can buy alcohol online now. He's like yeah. – even said, like, Benny's isn't my competitor. It's the online people that it's, you can stay at home now and drink. But, right. like, we can all – like, as we're companies here that, like, grounded here together, we can grow together. Precisely. Yeah. And that is – it's and, and that's what I think people just like about Chicago in general. Right. Um, and why, as a city, we're just so great. But the – Creativity, the collaborations, you see Chicago just be able to withstand 
fires and fairs <laughs> and uh, get creative with um, breaking prohibition laws. And we just yeah. got some good things going on. Definitely. And we take every opportunity that we can to connect with our, our local creators and crafters within the city. And um, whether it's within the world of distilled spirits mm-hmm. or music yeah. or... Um, denim or bags with defy bags oh, cool. and Dearborn yeah. and denim and you just it the world of people doing great things in Chicago is is small and awesome and big all at the same time definitely so do you kind of use like uh is that based on Paul's other passions in life to do those um collaborations and I, mean, I know you've done some pretty big music collaborations in the past so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah cool. it is a personal interest of yeah. kind of his and all of ours oh, and um and that's opened up some doors to do some fun things like yeah. we've done uh whiskey with the flaming lips yeah that was a big this one was alluding to i guess yeah <laughs> absolutely and that's a really cool label if you if you see it you'll definitely it'll stick off on a shelf um and that was an awesome opportunity pretty much almost annually we've done a collaboration with bloodshot records um in just a few short days we're going to be releasing blue corn bourbon oh really yeah wow that's so exciting yeah it was a product of so at few everyone's sort of challenged to create your own recipe idea Yeah, yeah and we have the support to be able to experiment in that way so um our our rack house manager, his name's Miguel Gonzalez. He decided to do something with blue corn. Cool. And so we have a blue corn bourbon and Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. If you haven't listened yeah. to them, give them a listen. They're a bloodshot um, artist and we're releasing it with them on July 4th at the Sweet. distillery. So That's if awesome. you don't have plans, come on by. Oh. Um, well, there you middle go. of the afternoon and but that's just another opportunity it's someone doing something great mm-hmm. um, at a distilling level finding an awesome crowd of people doing great music and here we are coming together that's cool whiskey and music whiskey and music whiskey and music doesn't get more American Kinda than that need it, right awesome well let's try this yeah nose is awesome on it mm-hmm. so there are different uh, age statements for all the barrels itself Mm. Mm. So I've got some some of that. Wow. <laughs> this keeps going. The flavor just keeps going. Going, going and going. Mm. It's like this really nice, like salty, caramely spice at yeah. the end. Mm. Yeah. It keeps elevating right through your senses. That's amazing. It does. It it's does. so it tasty. One of our really that that for sure is a hundred proof. I mean, like that's it's like still. I mean, it's, it's still smooth, but it just like, has like a such an amazing like. I guess elevation is the best way to describe it, but yeah. It's, it does, and it has a lot of like complexity and, and personality that develops over, over the course of the sip. Mm. Um, Definitely, it kind of tastes like a little bit more like, I'm guessing the wheat probably smooths it out the most, but yeah, it's delicious. Oh. Mm. There we got there too. I'm pouring our American whiskey right now, which is the, like I said, the current few products that Delilah's collaboration had had a lot to do with that idea. Nice. Um, so the, the American came out before the Delilah's? Vice versa. Okay. Yeah, Delilah's first. And when looking at the bottles, we've got in 2015 it was, my Lord. Hmm. Um, but then our American whiskey came to last year, That's right, 2018. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but age statements you had asked about, we let whiskey age until it is ready. Okay. Um, so. So that it was all like all three, all different, three different, right? Excuse me, uh, whiskeys, and so you just mm-hmm. do all different variations of those. Let them age let them when they taste right. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Um, we're moving towards being. Um, straight whiskey so okay. all of our aging has now going to surpass the over two year mark in yeah. barrels so great you'll see that little change on our bottles it's always been the same liquid nothing's changed about it but we're we're mature yeah. enough now if you will um mature tenured um <laughs> getting older to say, in life. yeah we are we're, we're approaching our birthday in august um when you think about it 2011 2019 eight years wow that's great. It goes by fast. It does, it's amazing how fast it goes by. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years. Eight in, years young. Eight years young. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> eight years of creativity and doing stuff like this. Yeah, definitely. This is um, American whiskey. So, you, again, it's the marriage of our bourbon, rye, and a single malt. Hmm. I sneezed while I was about to drink it, so that was kind of funny. And dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it needs to like right into my nose, actually. So yeah, it was funny. Um, but it tastes good. Oh, man. Now like, you've got the full experience. Yeah, really. It's just like, it's like a top <laughs> myself.